and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 46, where today I'm joined by Bruce Wallinger, who is currently serving as a food sector director and board member with the Pacific Seaweed Industry Association. Bruce is also a freelance business consultant working with natural and plant-based food entrepreneurs and companies. And among many things over his career, Bruce was also the vice president at Orca Specialty Foods Limited, which is one of Canada's largest value-added seafood processors. Now on this episode, Bruce and I cover a lot of things, one of which was BC's blue economy and the role that the emerging BC seaweed industry is currently playing by helping solve some of the biggest challenges that humanity is facing today, like climate change, economic instability, and food security. We also touch on some exciting innovation currently underway in the seaweed and algae bioplastics space and the impact that all of this will have on flexible packaging and the CPG industry. Now, if you don't already know it, you will by the end of the episode, but seaweed is fast becoming an increasingly popular ingredient and it's a fantastic dietary source of iodine, vitamin K, B, zinc and iron. And with all of this taken into account, it has a great potential to be utilized as an ingredient in your food-based product to create a unique flavor, point of differentiation, and nutritional boost. It's definitely worth considering. Now, before we do kick off into the conversation, though, I do want to speak to you about our show sponsors, Food Pack, Brad Bodnachuk, and Futurepreneur Canada. So first off the rank, we've got Food Pack. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but your packaging is the first and most meaningful interaction that your consumer will most likely have with your product. So at Food Pack, we focus exclusively on what your vision and needs are and work hard to deliver on a flexible packaging solution that serves its purpose properly at the right price. So if you're looking to get into the market for the first time with a stock pouch, or would like to assess your existing program, I recommend that you get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at foodpack, and that's pack with a K, dot or by calling me on 604-360-6790. Now, how serious are you in the pursuit of squeezing every last drop of your potential into whatever it is that you're passionate about in life? So be it your career or relationship or even your relationship with yourself. Well, 12 months ago, I started working with a coach with the aim of gaining a real clear vision for my life and the sort of fundamentals of long-term and short-term goals. Not only that, but the mindset needed to achieve those goals and the systems and processes to support it all like daily and weekly and monthly structures that really need to be in place to see progress and success in your vision. So I've really enjoyed the process and I would highly recommend you reach out to Brad Bodnachuk for a free 45 minute strategy session by visiting the link in the show notes. Brad is an absolute world-class coach, and if you're willing to push yourself in ways that you didn't even know were possible, you're crazy not to go and have that 45-minute chat with Brad and take it from there. 
And last but not least, we have Futurepreneur Canada, which is the only national non-profit organization that provides financing, mentoring, and support tools to aspiring business owners aged 18 to 39. The real key function that Futurepreneur plays though is with financing and mentoring as I just suggested, where you can access up to $60,000 in finance, which comes paired with an expert business mentor for up to two years and resources to help you plan, manage, and grow your business, like their three-part workshop series, Rock My Business Idea, Plan, and Cashflow. I recommend that you jump onto their website and have a look around. So whether you need advice on shaping your business idea or want help transforming it into a solid business plan, these three workshops will definitely help you move your business idea or business forward. I recommend that you jump online to their website at futurepreneur.ca or simply head on down to the show notes and click on the link. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Good to have you here. We've uh, we've been trying to schedule this in for a while now, so it's great to actually have tied you down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No worries. You're a busy man. Um, yes, yes. It's it's nice to be uh, busy and productive. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, Bruce, I'm really excited to talk to you today because you've been in the food industry for well over two decades. You know, particularly the CPG food sector. And your current focus is on the emerging seaweed industry, which I find really exciting. And, you know, particularly around its impact around food systems and packaging and plastics. And I'd love to really sort of dig into this with you because that's all right down our alley here on the podcast. But before we kick it off, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I was born in Calgary and uh, the formative years in Calgary and Montreal. And uh, eventually the family moved out to Vancouver. So Vancouver's my home. Home, yep. And uh, I was schooled at UBC, BCIT, and a couple of various business schools and so forth. Right. And um, yeah, um, Vancouver's my home. I love it out here. Yeah. What was the uh, motivating factor to move from Calgary out here? Uh, my father. As right. I say, we were very young and dad was uh, um, in geology and then moved, transferred uh, to uh, Montreal to get into finance. And yep ultimately back out here in Vancouver. Oh, very good. And what did you study at university? I studied, uh, it was regional economics, uh, environmental, and they were called it resource management back then right. and urban planning. So it's in the sphere more of the geography department. Mm-hmm. Very and, good. And then at uh, BCIT, uh, I was involved with the uh, marketing program out there. Very good. Because I was making a pivot from where I was, getting more uh, business studies under my belt. And then UBC Sauter School. You know, yep. there was a couple of courses I took there as well. Yeah. And so were you studying? Were you working any part-time jobs? Or where were you sort of, um, what was your focus at that time? Uh, when I was at UBC, for example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Uh, I was working at Pacific Press. Uh, I managed to get a, a decent paying job there and yeah. what they called ad control, which is essentially you're, you're reviewing ads after they were printed to see what kind of mistakes they were, uh, was, was involved in the print. And I, it was just such a great job and it helped uh, carry through uh, expenses at university. And yeah, no doubt. Just, just stayed on with it, yeah. Attention to detail would have been pretty critical, I'd imagine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> now, I've also noticed when researching you that you seem to be really fond of quotes. There are quotes in your, you know, in the um, in your emails. There's quotes on LinkedIn. What is it about quotes that you like so much? Oh, I 
I think it's just to add a little flavor to the email. Um, yep. You know, if I come across something that uh, I, I'd like to share, yep. um, I do so, you know, and yep. uh, um, that, that's an interesting observation, but uh, I hadn't noticed. I, I hope I'm not bombarding people. No, out <laughs> not at all. I just, I just put it down to you must be an avid reader and there must be some things that sort of stick out to you. And you're like, that's relevant to, the way or the lens that I see life through. And it sort of really encapsulates the message that I'm getting across. I suppose there's a component of that. And, and in, in some, some cases, uh, you know, I think it is part of the learning, uh, particularly the space we're in right now. It's, yeah. uh, I, I think anything that can uh, uh, make somebody feel a little good or a little mm-hmm. inspired or whatever it may be, if a quote does that, uh, yeah. Yeah. that's helpful. Do you like to read? I do. I do. I'm not has. Uh, I'm, I'm not as much of a deep reader as you may think. Right. Um, a lot of it, I like sprints. And yeah. if I if I find a good nonfiction, I'll, I'll go through it. And I think, like you and many others, you, there's quite a bit of time spent in your particular subject or yeah. your career or you know. Uh, I, I do. I've always believed in self-directed learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you're open to uh, a variety of different types of, uh, you know, of books, articles, uh, or even audio, uh, listening yeah. to various podcasts, you know, yep. very helpful today. Yeah, podcasts are an incredible platform. Like I've been a, uh, an advocate for, you know, obviously with this podcast, but I've been listening to podcasts for years as well. And I just think it's a really great way to consume information. And, um, you know, I do a lot of driving and, uh, you know, when I'm doing the dishes or I'm making the lunches, I'm always got a podcast on and trying to sort of, you know, um, get some different insights and sort of do all of my further education through that platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been well, really good for me. I, I also think it, it, it's very helpful when you're in discussions with uh, uh, people in your, um, in your business community. Um, to be able to talk in a, in a similar language, um, you know, that's ever changing too. Mm-hmm. The, the buzzwords and <laughs> business language is changing. Um, but I, you know, I find it is a segue to build rapport. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if there's something of, of interest or current that's happening in the business world, people tend to want to either learn about that or you're trying to learn about that. Yeah, hundred percent. Actually, one of those buzzwords that seem to be flying around and I've sort of noticed it a bit when I've been sort of watching you on LinkedIn and sort of the messaging and, um, you know, the content that you've been putting out there, but that seems to be blue economy. So I think that could be a really good place for us to start um, our conversation because I have seen blue economy floating around quite a bit lately. And um, would you be able to give us a little bit of context around what that means? And maybe then we can break into the opportunity that harvesting seaweeds, you know, sort of providing us all with. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, for sure. The, the, the blue economy is, is a term that uh, um, is opening up and becoming very uh, influential even in Canada now. And it's a sustainable use of ocean resources. And it's for economic growth, you know, improving livelihoods, jobs, and the ecosystem health. Um, it encompasses many activities, you know, renewable energy, um, fisheries, maritime transport, tourism, and of course, you know, things such as climate change, waste management, yeah. and so on. So it, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a new direction that uh, Canada wants to take, particularly being, you know, if you look at 
how many, you know, how much sea and ocean uh, landscapes we do have. It's, yeah, it's the coastline's incredible. incredible. Yeah, it just is, like Australia yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Canada um, came out with a blue economy strategy for 2040. Right. And uh, if you go on to our uh, website, Pacific Seaweed Industry Association, there's a, you know, there's a document there that sort of outlines this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You know, when you and I sort of locked in this conversation and, um, and I thought, okay, I really need to brush up on my seaweed knowledge because I had very, very little at all. And I was actually blown away by the amount of good that can be done by simply cultivating seaweed in the ocean. And there was one quote in particular that I sort of, I thought really encapsulated it all. And it said, seaweed captures carbon and produces oxygen. It's extremely nutrient rich and helps rejuvenate damaged coastlines. It can create a thriving industry as you know, which is not only a positive thing for first nations and coastal communities that live on these waters and seaweed is incredibly healthy for humans and animals to eat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't see anything but benefits here, which is really cool because it's not very often that you sort of get to see an industry that, has such a positive impact on everything that it touches. So first and foremost, what is it that you attracted you to this sector? Because you've been in this sort of, um, you know, the seafood and ocean industry for quite some time as well. It was a full circle for me, Hayden. Um, right. uh, what I got out of university, I'm just going to go back just mm. a smidge. Um, I got involved. <laughs> I, I was sitting there being interviewed for the bank. <laughs> and yeah. I just thought, no, I, I just don't see why. Uh, there just wasn't a strong fit for me. And yeah. then a job came up uh, to work with indigenous communities. Uh, so I took that. And from that, I started off as a cartographer. From that, I worked on environmental impact assessments of mega projects in BC at right. that time. And they're still ongoing, but it's the impact of Site uh, uh, Sea Dam and mm. you know just a multitude of, of uh, initiatives that BC was contemplating and bringing in what would be uh, advantages, the cost benefits of that. And then ultimately I became an advisor working throughout BC with uh, the, the various communities. From there, I got into seafood. Uh, you know, this is where the CPG background came. Mm. Uh, orca specialty foods uh, for many, many years. And, and uh, within that, I was always very interested in us as a company, as well as uh, Canada getting involved in more sustainable practices of uh, securing wild stocks for uh, various uh, value-added products we were producing. And that tagged on well with us in terms of dealing with all of the major grocery, grocery chains and so forth. Right. When I got into becoming a freelance uh, consultant uh, and advising companies in the plant-based space, which was, you know, that's a subject, uh, you know, entirely on its own. Mm. Uh, one of the clients I was working with on Vancouver Island uh, was involved in seaweed and I got hooked. I just thought, good Lord, this is just everything that I had accumulated over time. Now I could contribute uh, via the association um, you know, with this whole new food system that was being developed and all of the factors involved with it that I believed in. Uh, mm. So that's how. And I reached out to the executive director. We had a great chat, saw a lot of uh, parallels in thought. Um, 
maybe different backgrounds, but we could complement each other. Mm. And the team and the board at uh, this association, as we were all, you know, get going on, getting on board with this, uh, was just amazing. You know, I, I, from there, I'd learned more about the science of seaweed, um, what was happening on a global level with seaweed. And I was astonished, you know, how much energy and collaboration was going into this. And being a BCer, you know, in my heart, uh, <laughs> I, I just thought this is going to be a great opportunity for future generations in terms of the food supply issue, food mm. security issue, plant-based proteins, uh, uh, ingredients. Um, there, there were just so many factors that the downside was little. <laughs> so mm. uh, that's how I ended up in it. And you know, I, I see the health and well-being are the core drivers, just no different than the plant-based space or, yeah. you know, natural product space. And, uh, you know, the government of Canada and, and the provincial government, you know, are, are, they're getting more engaged with this. And, and that's of interest to, to mm. us and, and private companies and small uh, companies wanting to understand more about this space, the sector. Mm. And... Uh, uh, you know, you talked uh, earlier about learning. Uh, wow, this last year for me, just the level of science and biology and innovation uh, that's going on in the space is just incredible. And, uh, you know, you know where, you know, my, my role is like a linchpin. <laughs> Those that are experts in that, you want to, if you're talking to somebody in this space that's say interested in a in, in a particular category segment, right. you want to have access to. You've got to connect up with this person and yep. this person, and yep. that's what I'm finding, which is so much different, you know, in terms of business models of of, of the past. Mm. You know, you keep everything together. And yeah, it's sort of more of a collaborative approach. That's right. That's and cool. I, I think the key too is, uh, you know, and I use this phrase, but I, I, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's a form of respect. We, we try and be very agnostic. Mm. You know, we're not trying to favor anything. We're literally trying to build the sector yep. and bring in the resources that matter. Um, yep. And then in due time, you know, hopefully the time bandits that uh, entrepreneurs that want to get into this or the farmers or mm. the resellers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we can channel that. And yeah. Provide that leverage. Great. Yeah. So you're obviously sinking your teeth into the industry here in BC and, and in Canada in general, but where in the world is all of the innovation coming from? Like, are we leading the way or how, who's sort of like really driving this change here? Well, for industry. Again, a very good question. I, I, I see uh, from my associations with uh, people that have been in the industry, uh, certainly a lot longer than I, I'm, I'm, I'm the new, right. I'm, I'm the rookie in yep. it, uh, uh, have been doing a great deal of work in this and, and other associations, whether it be ocean wise, or there's been some mm. companies that have been around for many, many years, uh, cultivating and selling, creating products and so forth. And, yep. uh, there's, uh, uh, you know, certainly larger companies that are leading the way in technology, uh, building out the infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, certainly the genetics and the science of, uh, you know, uh, what is required to, uh, um, 
you know, thrive, uh, start to get BC, British Columbia thriving in this area. But mm. I mean, there's, there's, there's a little bit, you know, of more work to be done. Mm. Okay. Where is the work? So where are the gaps at the moment? So, you know, you could touch on the real areas of opportunity that seem to be on the surface, but there may be many more, you know, layers to this, but from what I see, you know, really in packaging and plastic alternatives, You've got food systems and food security that we were discussing, and then obviously the benefits to the rejuvenation of, you know, damaged coastlines. So where is the sort of the main focus or is it sort of all encompassing and are these companies sort of just focusing on one area or are they sort of just harvesting and then selling it out into the world? And then obviously there are other organizations that are picking up the ball from there. How does, what's the sort of the, the whole value chain look like in that respect, if that's the right word for it? Well, I think the, the entire process is, is very much like, uh, you know, other food systems right. you know, that are out here that is, is trying to be built. Okay. Uh, so, you know, things like preliminary investigation and research and planning as yep. to, you know, is this a sector you want to get involved with? Is there going to be the economic returns communities? Um, yep. There's the licensing, uh, uh, you know, whole, you know, process, the hatchery mm. itself farming and harvesting so you can start to see job creation as yeah. you sort of go through the uh um through the flow of the food system mm -hmm. and then of course there's logistics after harvesting and so forth the logistics in some of the more rural communities or how do you get you know to the processing now safely no yeah. different than when you're catching uh thin fish or whatever it may be yeah. and then the actual processing um drying or whatever uh element in in bulk for further processing which yeah. means other productions into cpg products where's yeah. the demand for that buyers for that yeah and then ultimately marketing and sales moving mm -hmm. the product distribution and i think one of the critical things too is waste you know that's that's becoming a you know a major part of the whole system but I think within seaweed, what's interesting, you're involving social inclusion, environment. You know, it's another food source that is uh, very strong in nutrients. Um, you know, it's been, you know, uh, ingredients from seaweed have been used for many, many years. Asia mm -hmm. is far stronger than we are here in North America. Right. As a matter of fact, 95% of the uh, seaweed finished products are imported into the United States. So right. there's a huge opportunity uh, for domestic production to, to not just fill that gaps, but yep. create new markets, you know, completely. Yeah. Um, I think for BC, you know, as you see changes happening in seafood, you know, you, you can see seaweed replacing and contributing to small communities, <clears throat> working in collaboration with indigenous cultures and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I find that extremely exciting. Um, but with that comes new standards, regulations. <clears throat> you know, it's 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 an area that uh, uh, is still in its infancy in certain yeah. respects. But I think the potential for growth is fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like it. Let's go back to the start. I'm really actually quite fascinated with the actual farming process. So are they actually seeding and harvesting in certain locations or are they harvesting natural crops and then or managing natural crops, you know, to be able to ensure that the natural crops that are out there, if that's what you're calling them, are, are well maintained and not sort of overtaking areas or what's the actual process look like? Uh, well, again, just going back to what I was describing, yeah. you know, you, 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 you know, you're trying to get the 
what I call seed line deployment ready, which is, right. uh, you know, um, getting the seedings ready to actually go into the ocean. Yep. You know, there's, <clears throat> there's a great deal of, uh, of care. Yeah. And, uh, but, but I mean, that's usually, that's on land, uh, you right. know, and, uh, uh, I just want to touch upon one thing you did say though. Um, and, and it is an interesting thing that it sounds very exciting, but there, there are concerns, you know, what, like monocropping, yeah. you know, things like this to, to ensure it's not impacting the genetic diversification of a specific area. Mm. But again, I, the, the science behind it, the biology behind it, and the due care prior to actually establishing a farm, uh, setting out the anchors and the, and the roping and, and, and then having the maintenance of that to ensure the kelp or whatever species is uh, cultivating there uh, is well protected. Uh, you know, uh, th these, these, these sort of things, I, from, from what I'm observing, um, are uh, incredibly well managed, mm. you know. So I'm glad to see that from the onslaught, you know, this this type of process is in effect. Are they fast growing crops? Pardon me? Are they fast growing crops or do they take years yes. to sort of generate? No, no, it's it's uh it's 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 fairly quick. Right. Um again on the operations end of uh of this, uh, you know, there's there's a wealth of information that's starting to be shared. Um, which I think is great. A lot of innovation on, you know, ex, you know the actual harvesting techniques, mm -hmm. uh, the storage. Uh, I, this all has to be, you know, continually built out, though. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's all based on supply. You yeah. Know? Yeah, supply and demand, like anything. Oh, it sounds fascinating. I love hearing all about that. Um, I've said it quite a few times on the podcast, but I've come from the coffee industry, you know, right. and coffee's all grown around the equator in a lot of different countries. And each different region has its own, you know, um, processing methods and, um, you know, growing seasons as well. And they're all being impacted by climate change. And I was, you know, thinking about how climate change is potentially impacting or whether it's, you know, this is obviously assisting the climate change um efforts here as well but are there any sort of impacts to climate change here on the harvesting and growing or the growing and harvesting of seaweed uh, other than positive yeah that's what i mean so yeah it's yeah. just another sort of net positive effect of that's really cool to hear well and i think uh you know again as uh there, there's more involvement uh, mm. ngos governments yep. so forth will yep. will really start to see um you know much more uh, yeah you know, in terms of uh, positive impacts, you know, and yeah. but I think the thing that I'm encouraged with is, uh, you know, uh, the next 10 years will determine yeah. the future of our oceans yeah. and regenerative seaweed farming. This is where I find it mm -hmm. uh, very interesting is a powerful means to restore abundance to BC oceans yeah. and impact yeah. climate change. Yeah. And you've got advocates like uh, Alexandria Cousteau you know, well aware of what we're doing out here as well. And this is what I mean by the global interest and collaboration uh, in this particular sector is, is, is fantastic, but right. we've got to move. And, uh, you know, I think this is one, one food type that can certainly contribute mm. providing uh, nutritious food and yeah simultaneously really have on a positive impact on climate change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So given that plant-based 
products and meat alternatives are rapidly growing in you know retail channels right now mm-hmm. and in the retail world where does seafood fit into this picture because you said it's got an opportunity here to be a, a major player whether it's used as an ingredient or whether it's an actual like raw product itself that's getting out into the world how can cbg brands sort of use this to their advantage because right now the vast majority of listeners of this podcast are you know small to medium-sized brands they're looking to get out into the world with a unique product or a product that gives them a unique value proposition that separates them from their competitors. And they're also looking to do some really positive things in this world with the decisions they're making. So how could potentially, well, where do you sort of see the potential for seaweed to sort of be used as either ingredient or something that they can work with and how do they access this product? Mm-hmm. Very good question. Uh, I, I think at this particular point, you know, um, when you go to the shelves, for example, we see the snacks, yeah. uh, we see uh, seaweed being used in sushi and so yep. on and so forth. But yep. now we're starting to see particularly more so in Europe and uh, other companies that uh, an ingredient with popcorn or, uh, right. um, you know, uh, little uh, frozen balls that can be used for uh, smoothies. Yeah, like kale, sort of like you find kale in the frozen section. Right, so it's used sort of like as a nutritional sort of superfood. You could look at it as an additive there or as a source of protein you were suggesting before as well. Yes, well, you know, the the incredible uh, explosion of uh, plant-based burgers and uh, these other types of proteins and so forth. You know, some are derivative from pea matter or... uh, um, beans and so on and so forth. And, you know, they're in the UK again, it seems Europe because they've been farming seaweed longer. The innovation is there. Um, I used to go to the Anuga show, um, in Cologne and, and that's where you would get, wow, you know, they're, they're two or three years, um, uh, ahead in terms of product development. Yeah. I, I think to answer your question, this is where you, you start talking to companies that are heavily involved in product development and are looking to expand mm. their portfolio, bringing in ingredients. Uh, but prior to that, you got to get the consumer awareness about yeah. seaweed. When you yep. start talking to people about seaweed, you know, it's the stuff on the beach or, mm. or it's in those Sushi. categories we were just talking yeah. about. Exactly. Yep. Ice cream or, the, you know, it's, it starts to broaden that. And I right. think the adoption rate of that, um, you know, it's going to need good marketing campaigns for mm. the demand creation. Mm-hmm. But if you look again at the, you know, 95% of these products that are being brought in uh, coming, let's say from uh, Asia Pacific uh, areas, um, there's definitely something that it can start on a domestic production supplying and, and creating those products. Mm. So for smaller, uh, smaller companies that are, uh, you know, in the sphere, let's say, or, or they can see that their product would gain by incorporating seaweed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely worth, you know, exploring. Yeah. Sure. That's awesome to hear. Um, Packaging and plastic alternatives. I, that's where I'll sort of see a huge opportunity as well, because you have been really generous enough to flick me a few um, articles online or videos. So I've been able to sort of see that this seems to be a huge focus that you sort of see um, opening up as well in the world. And there seems to be a lot of studies being conducted and action being taken with sort of seaweed and algae in particular to be used as a, biode- a biodegradable um, alternative to petroleum based plastics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like any sort of industry, what is the reality of the ability to scale here? Like, is it something that can potentially 
completely eliminate petroleum-based plastics in the future? Or do you sort of see this as something that's going to happen over a, a long period of time? Wow, again, a, a very good question. And, and from my chair, where I, I'm, I'm discovering as, uh, as I reach out and learn more, there's a lot of energy going into this that mm. even I was unaware. Yeah. And uh, the sharing of this is, is starting to happen. For example, if you were to talk about, you know, edibles, sachet or single, you know, for seasoning and so forth, that's yeah, underway. Single serve. Yeah, single, single serve. serve thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Save time, you know, yep. reduces waste and stuff. Yep. That is there. Now, like anything else, it has to be validated. Does it work? Does the consumer get it? Is the shelf life substantial enough? And of course, the regulatory bodies, uh, it has to come into, is this safe? Um, as you know, with uh, frozen products, uh, and I'm going to give a big shout out to Food Pack, who was uh, a very loyal uh, supplier of, uh, of ours for Thank many, you. many years. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean that. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, we'd work through some of those things because we'd be looking at permeable film yes. and we'd be trying to figure out how can we protect the product. This is one of those things. Yep. And can see we do that and mm -hmm. will it be signed off as a safe, you know, uh, safe structure. Yeah. Is it going to give you the shelf life that you, uh, you know, that you require? And is it going to give you the ability to get your product into the hands of the consumer in a method that's conducive to, you know, protecting your product? So, for, for me, Hayden, it, it does boil down to, particularly if you're, you know, an entrepreneur, a business owner now, and yep. uh, you're looking at, I still got to get this on the shelf and it's got to move off the shelf. Mm -hmm. And, and it, uh, there has to be within the product, my product cost model, that it's, it works, uh, that I'm not going to price myself out of range. Mm. So there's a bit of marketing that's going to be required that companies that uh, embrace this type of uh, structure, yeah. um, they are full on board with the environmental impact that's going on. And yeah. they have a huge audience right now. Plastic is, uh, is, you know, very much something that has to be reduced and eventually eliminated. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's other structures looking at the same possibility to mm -hmm. replace mm -hmm. uh, plastic. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the, the thing about seaweed is just look at the coastlines. The yeah. opportunity for this is pretty huge. Yeah. So yeah. supply will uh, uh, definitely be abundant when you get further cultivation. And in certain areas like Indonesia, yeah. coming out with some incredible stuff, even some local companies, uh, you know, um, uh, got some incredible talent looking at combinations of yeah. materials and structures that... Uh, you know, certainly they're making headway. Yeah, for sure. But again, it's just the commercialization and will uh, technology help bringing the cost down? Um, all of these things. You know? Yeah, that seems to be the big question. You know, shout out to Duncan Akers from Bioform, who's reached out to me a few times on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, Bioform's a Vancouver startup that's blending kelp and cellulose fiber to make compostable bioplastics. And they're looking at opportunities in, you know, a multitude of different areas. Um, one of them is obviously packaging. And uh, yeah, from what I can see, they seem to be doing some really great things out there. And they're looking to um, get production started in a pretty short amount of time from what I understand, or at least get things going to do some testing, which is mm -hmm. exciting. Well, and, and again, when you've got that uh, mantra of removing plastics from your operations, yeah. 
um, you know, at first, just like anything else, you, yeah. you know, you want to understand uh, how well does that apply to what, what product you have and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, is it doable? Yeah. 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 That's the issue that we find. So, you know, the amount of phone calls that we field daily is incredible around the conversation about sustainability with packaging. So, you know, we have conversations around the recyclability of packaging or compostability of packaging and what the reality is based on what they're trying to do and what product they're um, actually packaging up. And, you know, I've said it a few times on the podcast, but the issue doesn't seem to be with consumer demands and companies trying to do the right thing. Like it's actually overwhelming and incredibly, um, you know, positive as to the amount of good that people are wanting to do for this planet based on the decisions that they're making. The real bottleneck seems to be, you know, with the end of life systems that are in place to support these structures. So, you know, whether there's a recycling infrastructure out there to be able to actually process flexible packaging or whether the industrial composting facilities will actually accept these compostable structures into their um, streams is another sort of question mark right now as well. So having something that is, um, you know, biodegradable or earth digestible, which seems to be you know, some language that people are using these days. So something, you know, gets out of the regular waste stream and ends up in the oceans or in the side of the road in a creek, it is eventually going to digest back into the earth. And that's where I think that the vast majority of the opportunity lies, you know, in the future of packaging as well. But right now, um, you know, it will be interesting to sort of see what the next five to 10 years sort of really hold right. for the technology to be able to actually package up the vast majority of um, products that need to go into a bag. And like we said, get into the consumer's hands um, undamaged and, um, you know, in a way that's not going to impact, you know, food um, safety and, and health as well. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, when asked the question about uh, scaling into this mm. and, and, you know, when are we going to see a complete transition to, yeah. uh, you know, to sort of be on track with, you know, societies wanting the transition yeah. to sort of happen. Yeah. Uh, because, um, as I say, Europe and, and many other areas and here in British Columbia, some yep. amazing things are going on here. Mm. It, it's just like anything else. Uh, and until it's actually commercialized, you yeah. know, the work carries on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it would be uh, fantastic, you know, a company like Foodback, you know, you, you guys are keeping an eye on this yeah. too. And yeah. I, I think it's, uh, number one, you're, you're going to be fielding that type of whether it's possible suppliers coming to you yep. or, in fact, uh, uh, category buyers and, mm. and processors going, you know, they're really pushing me now. I, you yeah. know, I've, I've got to come up with uh, more viable means oh, for as sure. opposed to plastic. Yeah. And it yeah. comes down to, but we got to protect the product. We've yep. got to market the product. It's got yep. to take, uh, you know, the print, all of these other yeah. factors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are so many things that need, you know, boxes that need to be checked, but yeah, John Jr. And John Sr. I'm sure. And Kyle and the team here at Food Pack have always got their finger on the pulse and definitely are abreast of where the industry is at. And, you know, based on, um, based on the specific drivers, but um, yeah, we're absolutely aware that, you know, changes need to be made and we need to be a part of that change. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we can access right now, like NatureFlex, which is a cellulose-based film, it's completely, um, well, it's certified industrial and backyard compostable in Europe and Australasia. In North America, it's certified as industrially compostable because they have issues around certifying it as backyard because they're so stringent with the variables that need to be, you know, consistent to be able to certify something as backyard compostable in North America, from what I understand. 
But yeah, we can absolutely access these structures and we've got a whole host of manufacturers that utilize these materials that we can access as I suggested. But you know, the conversation, once we have that with the consumer or sorry, with the customer that we're dealing with regarding um, what the reality is based on what they're trying to package up, it always, you know, seems to come back down to cost as well, because the cost of these structures is, you know, at times 30 to 40% greater than a regular material. Mm-hmm. And where margins are so thin in this world that we're talking about in the CPG world, that makes a huge impact. So, you know, the conversation is, all right, well, if you're willing to put all of your eggs in that basket and you're going to be absorbing some of that cost, you need to absorb it over, you know, multiple areas. So it's not just a, you know, a cogs piece, but maybe you're chalk some of it up to a marketing cost as well so you know trying to spread it you know across multiple areas but yeah definitely an interesting part of the conversation and like honestly the innovation in that space is what i'm personally looking most forward to seeing and um yeah it'll be really cool to see where we're at in sort of five to ten years as i suggested because i think um not only does the world need it but um you know it's innovation's got to come from somewhere and it's either going to go into the recycling sort of realm or it's going to go into the compostable earth digestible realm and you know uh, whoever wins out will um will obviously well it'll be determined by where all of the money's coming from and i'm not too sure where all of the money's coming from yet yeah well uh again i i i think uh, uh just like uh you know so many other sectors mm. uh, uh one of the things we're trying to do at the PS, uh, uh, PSIA is uh, to create that awareness, yeah. to bring forth the, uh, the brains uh, that are involved in this industry, yeah. those that uh, um, um, you know, are interested in investing in this, actually yeah. the farming of it, uh, yeah. want to uh, possibly reinvent uh, seafood processing plants. Yeah that are throughout the coast that can now pivot into this because they have the food safety yep. uh, initiatives because this, you know, this is a food. But mm-hmm. I, I also, Hayden, I, I look at it from, uh, you know, wh- whether it is plastics or it's, you know, you got to look at processing capabilities, infrastructure to support yeah. the demand that you're, you're building. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think there's a lot of players, domestic demand needs to grow faster. Right. and uh, expanded that processing uh, capacity to serve the demand. And hopefully through that, you see cost decrease, yeah. you know. Um, and then the other thing is product added, uh, you know, or value added product development, you know, that will accelerate, I think, seaweed-based products mm. into a company's portfolio, then the distribution, the brand building, and so on and so forth. So those activities, just like any other business, regardless of what segment they're going for in seaweed, because it's still at its infancy here Mm. in in, uh, British Columbia, Mm -hmm. need to be considered. And if we now put a time of urgency on this, uh, the sector needs support, Um, Mm. you know, and uh, I think BC will gain substantially in working with Indigenous people, uh, break down the law of laws, product developers, hey, you know, we've you know, uh, we can now support new types of innovative uh, um, aqua, aqua vegetables, mm. <laughs> sea yeah, vegetables. Yeah. yeah. You've suggested that the industry is in its infancy here in BC. Over what period of time do we sort of see industries like this mature and evolve and, you know, hit their sort of capacity? Like, what are we talking, generations here? Or are we talking sort of like decades? Like, what does it look like? Well, firstly, just to... There have been some uh, 
organizations and small companies that have been at this for quite a while in DC okay. and they've been producing products and they've been, you know, heavily involved with this and, and, and they, they understand uh, all of these main factors. It's, it's really that there wasn't as big of a fit as there is now for these types of products, plant-based or macroalgae products and so forth. Mm. And I think a lot of that is because the information's getting out quicker. Mm. Um, so I think we'll, we'll see in the next, uh, well, let's just, I think we'll be surprised at what is accomplished in a decade. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you know, I really do. Um, yep. But again, it comes through a unified uh, support to mm. build this up where, where other countries have been well underway. Got you. You know, like any industry or any sort of topic of conversation, there's always two sides to every coin. And we've heard nothing but the positives, you know, associated with the seaweed industry. And, and it, in, you know, in all respects, it looks like that may be the case. But are there any negatives that need to be taken into account or that's a part of the conversation that you're hearing out in the, out in the world? Well, I think when you expand any kind of use of uh, oceanic coastlines and so forth, yeah. you, you have to take into consideration other marine activities. Hmm. Um, um, you know, uh, whether it be transport, tourism, I mean, there's multi-uses here. Yeah. Uh, my personal opinion is, is, is if you look at the pros and the cons, you're, you're very much on, on the upside yeah. of, uh, of seaweed, but again, access to markets is troublesome. Licensing is, is a little bit, uh, of a concern. And we talked about monocropping, yeah. you know, ensuring that what you are planting uh, uh, doesn't interfere with the natural um, ecosystem there. But again, I, I, I find that, you know, at the feasibility uh, level, all of those are being considered instead of mm -hmm. just marching on, <laughs> sending it off. So I, yeah. I like the process that I'm seeing yeah. and the science behind it. Yeah. And I'm sure there are many others, you know, you'd have to look at the sites themselves, water depth, sun exposure. Yeah. What if I can't get that specific site? Does that deter, um, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, just like any other business, there's constraints. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Understood. Mate, it sounds like an incredible industry and I can see why you've put your heart and soul into, you know, this period of time to sort of find yourself where you are today and, and why you find it such an attractive industry. And how many Bruce Wallingers are out there, you know, right now, are there many people like you out there sort of advocating for the industry and working in the same space that you are? Well, thankfully there's only one Bruce Wallinger uh, <laughs> and there's many other good brains that supersede what I'm doing. I, I find myself because uh, again, uh, Hayden, it's it's where I came from. Understanding yeah. uh, uh, sustainability, uh, yep. understanding seafood, extracting all of these types of, of uh, elements, and uh, um, I, I just find it a very very encouraging lot mm. of people. Uh, yep. Meaning, great group of people that yep. are involved with this, and yep. and that makes me very hopeful because mm. it's taken into consideration. A lot of the big news items that we're hearing about yeah. food supply and food security and, you know, healthier options, I'm hoping mm. uh, for children and, you know, getting involved with this. And yeah. I, I think the collaborative effort of how we utilize the oceans, too. Yeah. And I see seaweed as uh, just a fantastic sort of pillar in that with all the other activities that we want to 
have a regenerative approach to business models now to mm -hmm. secure and rebuild back the health of, uh, of our oceans and do it in an economically sound way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a great thing to strive for. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what else seems to be a part of the conversation here? Like we've touched on sort of those major pillars here, but are there any sort of pieces that we're missing to this conversation that are important to bring to everybody's attention? Well, I, I think uh, just like anything new, uh, and I'm sure you know all of uh, the small businesses out there, and even big co's and so <clears> forth. <throat> you know, adopting this, there has to be some kind of evidence. You know, yeah. on, you know, there's got to be uh, in food, as you know, taste. <laughs> yeah, it's got to taste good. Taste and, and nutrition. Yeah, that's right. And uh, um, so I, I think there are, you know, the marketing end that uh, has some hurdles to, 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 to go through. I think uh, consumer awareness is becoming more so, but a great deal on the scientific side and what it can do for climate change and so forth. And when you get into the food space, hmm. how, do, how, are you, how does that apply to, you know, regular consumers out there? And I think it is just like other uh, plant-based uh, um products that have been marketed and sold, it takes time. And then all of a sudden you get uh, some traction with a particular type of food item, whether you mentioned kale or, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, whatever it may be. And, yeah. um, so uh, I, I think it's just a question of continuing on with the great work that I'm seeing of companies doing, mm -hmm. uh, governments starting to understand they want to get involved with the incredible support of indigenous communities. I see yep. seafood uh, seafood companies really uh, wanting to engage and be a part of uh, seaweed as well in, yep. in terms of environmental reasons. Plus, uh, it it it, it, uh, it works well into their business models. I I, I think the future is great, but yep. you know, again, I think. We're just about ready to hit the gas, <laughs> yeah. so to speak, yeah. and move more assertively with some of these things. Well, and uh, that's what I'm I'm looking forward to participate to contribute. As I say, I'm I'm listening to some amazing people, amazing yep. experts. Yeah. And coming from the CPG space, you know, the whole process of production needs, market needs, and so forth. I hope I can help. Yeah. Uh, small companies or for further production, uh, streamline that. Great. Bruce, if there was anybody out there that wanted to sort of dig a little bit deeper and, you know, um, join in on these conversations or um, learn more, you just mentioned that there are some great conversations out there. Where should people go and, and who should they listen to? Well, please go to the uh, Pacific uh, Seaweed uh, Industry Association's uh, webpage. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to throw my email out there, or you can. I'd yeah, please. I'll put it in the show notes. That. Yeah. I'd be happy to uh, discuss and then hopefully uh, connect them up with uh, some people in whatever particular area, whether it be farming or actually purchasing and, and product development. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, Bruce, we're lucky to have a person like you out in this world advocating for such a great industry. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy life to uh, have this conversation with us all. Thank you so much for your time too, Hayden. It's great to chat. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. I'd like to say a special thank you to our show sponsors, Food Pack, 
Brad Mondachuk and Futurepreneur Canada for making this all happen. If you've got any questions from today's show, feel free to shoot me an email at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn under Hayden Thompson, that's T-H-O-M-S-O-N, or you could DM me on Instagram. And one thing that would mean the absolute world to me would be a rating and a review. I'll see you next week.